Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilbo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much. I am ready to get back into the swing of things here with these podcasts. This is two in a row for me now. We're back. Two in a, yeah, two in a row for Nick. Uh, it's been a, We've been packing a few of them. St- stacking days, I believe, is the line that football coaches have decided they're going to start using lately. Uh, I, I want to apologize in advance to anyone who sees my head tilted in a specific direction. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we're recording this during the Penn State basketball game against Wisconsin in uh, in Madison and Nittany Wise. It's halftime right now. Uh, are up 36 to 30. Uh, if you see me start cheering, if you start hearing me go yes, stuff like that under my breath. If I start swearing, it's all because I have a personal investment in Penn State basketball, and me and my therapist have not gotten. To but what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of talk about the latest goings on in the world of Penn State football the last, over the last couple of weeks. We'll get to or last couple of days. We're going to get to some stuff with the transfer portal, some recruiting things. But we're going to start with Penn State's wide receiver room. And Nick, we're doing this on Tuesday. Uh, I believe it was on Monday. Let me check. It was on Sunday night uh, that Penn State got a bit of news that it was going to get a a commitment in the transfer portal from Dante Cephas. It's top option as a wide receiver Cephas comes from uh Kent State one of the most productive wide receivers in uh in G5 football last season 40 receptions 744 yards and three touchdowns year before 82 receptions 1240 yards and nine touchdowns uh wasn't a surprise Nick when we heard that when we heard that Dante Cephas was coming to Penn State it did seem like uh, maybe his commitment was happening a little bit sooner than we might have anticipated. But regardless, Penn State got a Pittsburgh native and a kind of guy in this wide receiver room that it just does not have right now. Yeah, someone who I believe played with Daquan Hardy in high school, if I remember correctly. I believe him um, and Tank Smith. And Tank Smith, yeah. Um, yeah, like you alluded to, there was... Uh, you know, it's it sounds like Dante Cephas uh, probably, you know, for academic reasons that he's not able to, you know, come to Penn State right this second, um, but should be in for the spring. Uh, so he'll still have, you know, some time to get acclimated to the team. But yeah, this is a this is a really nice pickup for Penn State. Uh, it's, you know, their inability to land a big fish at receiver in the portal has not gone unnoticed by several fans this offseason to this point um so it's it's nice that they were able to you know land the guy that was number one on by all accounts number one on their list you know right from the get-go um and somebody who i i think in some ways will remind fans of uh what Mitchell Tinsley brought to the table this season, but is, is a bit of a different player. I think he's, it's not, he's not quite the same mold, even though he comes from, you know, a similar, a similar style of offense, um, you know, before he gets to happy Valley, it's a similar, similar system, but I think he is different in a, a few key ways from Tinsley. So I think the two ways Nick for us to look at this is one, there is the big picture. There is the big picture of how he fits it, or, or just what Penn State has in its wide receiver room in general. And then there's focusing more on him specifically. And I think it's best to start with him specifically. And you and I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that myself or Nick watched uh, a lot of Kent State football over the last couple of years. I, I, they when did they play Penn State somewhat recently? Was it twenty twenty one? 
maybe I'm trying. I, 20... I might be. I might be mixing them up with another. It's yeah, honestly like team. Kent State and Akron and then Jordan. They, okay. like they all so morphed together. They played yeah. in. They played in 2018, so that would have been uh, before Cephas was yeah. a contributor for them. They were the team Penn State. Uh, they were one of the teams Penn State played after that. Uh, they, they were the first game after the Appalachian State and the Pitt games mm. uh, that season. Uh, one dollar if you can guess Penn State's leading receiver in that game. In the Kent State game? Yes. Oh, boy. 2018. Uh, Hamler would be the easy answer, but I assume it wasn't him. Um, might be. I'm gonna say, oh, might be. Oh, I was going to say, like, Mac Hippenhammer, but. Okay. Well, you're wrong. It's DeAndre Tompkins. Four receptions, 101 yards on touchdown. But let's. Take kind of the individual look at what Penn State is getting in Dante Cephas, Nick. As you and I have gotten a chance to watch him a little bit, what sticks out about him, good, bad, or otherwise, that makes you think he could be a good fit? There are still some questions I have. Just whatever went through your mind when uh, you and I fired up YouTube uh, on our own and went, okay, who is Dante Cephas? Yeah. Also, real quick, you could tell me any like year range that DeAndre Tompkins played at Penn State and I would believe you. Um <laughs> so the thing I noticed with Cephas and uh, watching I think it was the for the bloggy breakdown I saw as well on him. Um yeah. inconsistent hands. You know, I'll, I'll start with the negatives and lead to the positives. Inconsistent you, you, re- Real quick on hands, I actually have the numbers up if you want me to okay. read those. Yeah, yeah, I know I think his uh, he was like credited with like uh 8% per- or 8% drop rate something like that maybe. Yeah, so for the bloggy in their video breakdown citing PFF, Cephas uh, as an 8.8% drop rate uh, for reference. Uh, that was a little bit below C- uh, KJ Hammer. I didn't jot his down. It was in the 13 12 range. something, I think. Yeah. Uh, Parker Washington was at 5.2%. Jahan Dawson was at 5.2%. And Mitchell Tinsley was at 4.9%, which basically says one out of every, one out of every 10 or so catchable balls that uh, Dante Cephas gets, he's prone to drop them. Yeah, which you know it, it's not great, but it's not a it's not a killer. Um, it, it's definitely a negative in you know when you consider the fact that his quarterback is going to be first year starter Drew Aller by you know most uh, in almost all likelihood will will be Drew Aller. So you know dropping passes for a young quarterback is you know dropping them for a veteran is one thing. Dropping them for a young quarterback is a bit of a different animal, and that can kind of have a big impact on them, but. Um, you know, Drew Aller also got plenty of time this year, so it's not like he's just like a, you know, fresh face, you know, just jumping right into things. He has some a little bit of experience, so it wouldn't make as much of a difference there. But so hand, inconsistent hands is not um, not a great thing, but it's yeah. not a killer in this case. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. Like he's not going to be. He's not like the Dante Thornton um, in terms of speed that Penn State was looking at. He's not the Caden Prather in terms of size that Penn State was looking at. But what he does really excel in is route running. If you watch his highlights, he does an excellent job of disguising what his route is going to be, whether it's a go ball or a hitch or a dig, whatever it is. He does a really great job of not giving anything away with his hips or his movement, which is something that I think the Penn State receiver room could really use and is something that could wear off on the other receivers in a really positive way. Um because I think something that the Penn State receivers struggle with in general is getting open. Um, I think Parker Washington did a pretty good job of it, but Keandre Lambert-Smith, Harrison Wallace, those guys don't quite have that um, that natural kind of space-finding ability yet, and I think that's something Cephas does really well with his route running. 
And I think that's going to be a really positive addition to the room, no matter where he actually ends up lining up, whether he's the the X or the H, whatever it is. <clears throat> but I think that um, that addition to the room is going to be a big positive for them and something that Drew Aller will be able to take advantage of because we've seen Aller throw the ball. He can sling it. If you get open, he can get you the ball. So it should be a pretty nice natural fit as far as what the room has and doesn't have and what will help Aller you know, continue to progress as a quarterback. Yeah, I, I was really impressed when I watched him at how good he is at getting open. Uh, just kind of as a general thing, whether he's running one of those go routes, whether he's running a hitch, he's really good on slants. He's really good yeah. at getting the defender to kind of square up on him or open up their hips a little bit, foot in the ground, slant, go, catch the football, and then make something happen. I, he's he's not KJ Hamler when he gets the ball in the open field, but he definitely sticks out to me as a guy who's really good at catching the football and moving around and avoiding getting tapped, you know, just avoid getting taken down, all those sorts of things. Yeah, and that's something that I think Penn State's receiver room has really, really lacked this season. I think Penn State, for how talented their, uh, how much talent is there, you know, Parker Washington was really good at getting open. Mitchell Tinsley was, you know, he he played bigger than his size, and that's something I'm going to bring up with Cephas in a second. But they really just lack that guy who has that kind of innate sense of knowing when to get open, especially now that Washington's gone. And I yeah. think Cephas is going to bring that to them. And I think for a guy like Auer, who is going to really quick, I need to know what my safety blankets are. I need to know I'm going to go to my tight ends. I'm going to go to whatever receiver gets open. I think having a guy like Cephas is really important. Uh He's net. He's gone up against good competition. So the big concern with guys who are coming from really pass happy, uh, really high pa- high power or high octane, whatever you want to call it, offense. I think high octane is probably the best word. Is that? And we saw this a little bit with Mitchell Tinsley, right? While he was a good receiver, he didn't come anywhere close to what he did when he was at Western Kentucky, which right. I don't think anyone expected him to do that. They expect them to just be a really solid receiver, which he maybe was, just maybe not to the extent that some people thought. Yeah. But Cephas has some experience against good competition or against Power Five competition. This season, he played Washington six receptions, 105 yards. Oklahoma four receptions, 50 yards, and Georgia three receptions for 25 yards. Not crazy numbers. By that Washington game was actually in retrospect very impressive, but. He knows what he's getting himself into and has gone up against really good defenses. Last year, uh, or year before last, Texas A&M, he starts the season against them. Three for 21 yards, not great. Iowa, two for eight yards, not great. But again, it's not like he's going to be dropped into Penn State's, you know, week three or four game, whatever it is, uh, against Illinois in Champaign and be caught off guard by what he's going to see in terms of P5 power, P5 physicality, speed, athleticism, all those sorts. So we'll we'll eventually see what ends up coming from that. But I'm generally optimistic. Nick, are there any other things, positive, negative, whatever, about Cephas that really stuck out for you? Yeah, first, I love hearing the teams that Kent State has played. If anyone knows how to go get a paycheck, it's it's Kent State. Um, I, I think... 
like you you mentioned the slants. I think he's going to be a really great fit for Penn State's offense in terms of the RPO game and even like that what plays that aren't necessarily RPOs are just play action slants over the middle. I think that's going to be a really safe play for Aller next year with Cephas as the target because that is an area that he does really well in. So I think that's going to be a really good fit for the offense. So um, I'm yeah, I'm excited to get him in here and I look fondly back on my prediction however many weeks ago where I said Penn State's starting three receivers next season would be Cephas, Lambert Smith, and Harrison Wallace. So, you know, good, good for me. Yeah, the only thing, other thing that I'm a little bit um, upset, I, I don't know if that's the word, leery about is probably the right word, is he doesn't have, or at least it doesn't come off as he has that, like, burners. I'll see what, you know, maybe he comes in, he tests, we see whatever, and he actually runs a 4 4 2 but we'll see. He lacks, at least in what I saw, kind of the size and the physicality at 6'1", that a guy like Tinsley brought. Tinsley came in, sure. uh, listed by Penn State at 6'1", 205 pounds. Cephas listed at 6'1", 178 pounds. And I think you see that he doesn't exactly, you know, he's, you, you could push him around a little bit. And I'm interested to see what happens with that element of his game. If he gets into the weight room at Penn State, he puts on, 10, 12 pounds, he gets up to 6'1", 190, and suddenly this isn't as big of a concern. But ultimately, you know, he's comfortable stretching deep. He's comfortable bringing Nick, and this is where we'll talk about uh, what Penn State has a receiver beyond him. He's comfortable bringing a dimension that I just think they do not have. We saw Penn State, it seems like they felt like they had to play a guy like Omari Evans because he brought an element of game-changing speed they didn't have I don't think Cephas is quite that fast but you look in the receiver room they just don't have a guy who has kind of his innate understanding of how to get open and how to do something after the catch would you do you agree with that do you disagree with that do you think we just haven't seen that yet out of specific guys how do you think he fits into this entire Penn State wide receiver ecosystem yeah I mean I I think um both Keandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace can be guys to make things happen after the catch. They're just both such freak athletes. I, I It's in there. I just think they are still working to get to that point. Um, but yeah, like you said, like Cephas is not, he's not KJ Hamler. Um, he's not Jahan Dotson. Like he doesn't have the speed of those guys, but it seems like he just has a good sense of how to move with the football after the catch. Like it's, it's not going to be, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the analogy of like, what Katron Allen brings you in the backfield. Like he doesn't have Nick Singleton's speed, but he has really great awareness and he understands how to get around guys. Okay. Like Cephas isn't going to bowl anyone over the way Katron Allen does, but he has a just a good um he just has good spatial awareness. He under and that's part of what makes him so good at getting open. He just has a good understanding of how to continue to progress the ball down the field. And that's something that um you know like I it's He's not, like you said, he's not going to bring that element of over the top, um, you know, take the lid off of the defense type receiver. But what he is going to bring is a lot of reliability. And, you know, it's not, maybe it's not 20 yards after the catch, but it's probably going to be at least five yards every time after the catch. Like he's not yeah. going to be someone who necessarily goes down easily, I don't think. I think the way that he gets behind a defense that takes the top off of a defense is because he knows how to do everything else that sets that can trick a defender into thinking or trick a defensive back into thinking 
all right, he's running a slant here. All right, he's doing this. Yes. He's going to be running a hitch here. And then he tricks you, takes you over the top. And that's where he has that speed to be able to beat you. He's not going to be able to say, all right, let's get into a foot race. I'm going yeah. to win this every single time. He has a bit of a, an element of know-how uh, in how he plays wide receiver. But you look at Penn State's wide receiver room, you know, I'm optimistic that a guy like Caden Saunders or a guy like Liam Clifford has that ability to be able to just run, you know, have such good technique that it gets them open. I think Harrison Wallace and Keandre Lambert-Smith maybe aren't necessarily that. I think I would be surprised if Harrison Wallace, you know, will, will foreshadow potentially another guy we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, Harrison Wallace is the guy who's a little bit more just go up and get the football. Keandre Lambert-Smith is the, you know, reliable, I need five yards, I know I can throw it to Keandre, and I know he's going to catch it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But Cephas, I think, is the, to whatever extent this group has it, the big play threat so far. We'll see yeah, how one fair. of we'll see how one of these other guys develop and if someone can turn into that. And one thing that we learned this week, Nick, is that the guy tasked with making that, you know, figuring out who's going to be that guy, it's not going to be Taylor Stubblefeld, Penn State's uh wide receivers coach of the last three seasons. It was announced that Stubblefeld has been ro uh relieved of his duties. He's going to be moving on. Penn State's going to be looking for a new wide receivers coach. Nick, when you heard this news, were you surprised? Do you think it's unfair? Do you think it sounds about right? Like where, what, what was your immediate reaction when you heard Taylor Stubblefeld's not going to be coming back to Penn State next year? I definitely didn't think it was unfair. I, that I, that's usually not an emotion I feel with when it comes to college coaches. You know, I just it's part of the gig. Um, I I was a little surprised though. I <clears throat> I, I do think it's fair to say the Penn State receivers you know, considering the natural athletic ability that they have, have underperformed a bit. But, you know, at the same time, like, Stubblefield, like, he seems like a good dude. He hasn't recruited, like, he's not recruiting the way Brian Hartline is at Ohio State, but that's a that's a real tough, yeah, <laughs> that, a real tough barometer. If, if, you, if you ask anyone to recruit like Brian Hartline at Ohio State, they're not going to be able to have, they're not going to have a job for much longer. Right. So, like, he hasn't done that, but it's not like he has failed to bring in quality receiver recru recruits. He hasn't. He's, you know, he's gotten some good guys. And, you know, uh, one guy that I'll continue to point to you that I think would be a difference maker had he decided to play football was Lonnie White. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, and he did good things with Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson really took a leap under Stubblefield. He did good things with Parker Washington. So, I was a little surprised. Um, I'd say after hearing or reading the Mike Yersich, as Mike Yersich quotes, maybe I'm not quite as surprised anymore. It seems like Yersich, uh, and I assume James Franklin as well, were really looking for more from that position, Coach. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there, and I'm going to say, uh, Nick, if you want to pull the quotes up, the specific ones, I'm going to kill a little time here so you can get them up. Uh, it was a piece that uh, our pal Nate Bauer over at BWI published uh, after the Rose Bowl. It had a bunch of quotes uh, that gave kind of a 10,000-foot view from Mike Yurisich's perspective on the wide receiver. Uh, and Nick, was, can you just mention the quote or quotes that you thought stuck out the most? Uh or, or the ones that maybe made a little bit more sense now that Taylor Stubblefeld is no longer with the program. Yeah, it's it's for me. It's this one about understanding their roles. Um, 
he was asking your Sitch was asked whether or not he thinks the receivers, or I guess maybe it was players in the program in general, but whether the receivers understand, you know, what their roles are within that room. And especially with the vacancies, uh, as a result of Parker Washington, and Mitchell Tinsley, he says, whether they get it or not, it's my job that they get it. So they better get it. I think a lot of it when you're dealing with these guys is building your confidence up, make sure that you're coaching them hard and we're getting the job done and you're developing them, but also building their confidence up to where they believe in themselves. Um, there's more from there, but yeah, to me, like, yeah, that is part of Mike Yurcich's job, but that like that gives off, you know, and I, I'm not listening to him actually say this. So I guess it's a little unfair yeah. to say, but it seems a little passive aggressive to me um, because a lot of that, like, developing receivers confidence like that is the receiver coach's job like that that's one of yeah. your main jobs is to get those guys ready so um <clears throat> it, like i've said before when it comes to you know personnel decisions and especially coaching staff decisions i am fully in the camp that james franklin deserves benefit of the doubt and that he will make the right moves if he thinks <laughs> now is the time to move on from taylor's double field then I, I trust what James Franklin is doing. I trust that he has a guy or two in mind to, you know, take that room to the next level. So if that's, if that's what Franklin wants, then I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I, that was, that was kind of my overarching thought. It's that James Franklin is a very meticulous coach. Uh, I think Matt, uh, made a comparison to when, uh, Matt Limegrover, uh, was, you know, they wish him all the best in his future endeavors, and they did it to bring in Phil Troutline. Yeah. And what that means is Franklin isn't the kind of coach who is afraid of saying, yeah, you've done a nice job, you've done an okay job. And I think generally the thing I'll say about Taylor Stub the wide receivers this past year under Taylor Stubblefeld, they were okay. Uh, Parker Washington, 46 receptions, 611 yards. You ex uh, two touchdowns. You do expect better there. Maybe that might be the one where I'm like, "Ooh, that's not great." Mitchell Tinsley, 51 receptions, 577 yards, five touchdowns. DeAndre Lambert Smith, 24, 389 and four. Harrison Wallace, 19, 273 and one. I thought it was inevitable that the wide receiver room was going to take a step back because you're replacing maybe the best to ever play wide receiver year in John Dotson. I don't think I expected it to take a step back where Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith were both not reaching their reception and yardage totals, uh, possibly touchdown totals, give me a second, and touchdown totals that they had last season. Like, I, don't, I don't care personally about the yardage numbers or the reception numbers for me, but it it seemed like they did not have, and not, this is more Washington than Tinsley, it just seems like Parker didn't get open as much. Like he, it, it seemed like he didn't take the technical strides that we might've expected him to take in his third year on campus. So that I think does point to Stubblefield. And, and, and here's kind of the devil's advocate to all of this. This season, Sean Clifford, Penn State's starting quarterback through 351 passes, 422 of the, uh, just in general out of the quarterback yeah. year before that. Clifford threw 428 passes, 486 for the quarterback room total. Clifford actually only threw 100 more passes than he did in the 2020 season, which was fewer games, and also he got benched for Will Levis. Yeah. But 
what ended up happening, and this is where I think you need a little bit of context for why the wide receiver numbers might not have been as good. One, Penn State had the best, one of the best tight end rooms in the country. Brent Strange, 32, 362. Theo Johnson, 23, 28. Tyler Warren, 10, 120. That adds on to it. And then the big thing, Penn State was capable of running the football this year. And Penn State was in a lot of games, especially towards the end of the season, where they got up huge and the game was just over and they didn't need to throw it as much. Whereas last year's team stunk, needed to have Sean Clifford throw it all over the place and hope that would work out for them. So all that together, of course, the wide receiver room is going to take a step back. But to kind of put the other side of it and where I ultimately think Franklin's mind is, Wide receiver is a premium position in the sport. Ohio State, the the bar that Penn State is trying to clear, even if Michigan, I would say even if Michigan has won uh, the Big Ten each of the last two years, I think in terms of just an overall program and how you recruit and how much money you have, just all these sorts of things, Ohio State's the bar. Yep. And you look at Ohio State, they are getting freaks of nature over and over and over again. Penn State doesn't have those kinds of dudes. If you can't recruit like that, you have to be able to develop, and Penn State just wasn't really able to get production down its wide receiver room. After Washington, Tinsley, and Lambert Smith, their top receiver was Wallace with 19 receptions, and then William Clifford with eight. Omari Evans then came in with five. I think they needed more out of the wide receiver room. And like you mentioned, Nick, and I think this is kind of the big point, when James Franklin says, I'm going to make a change, it is usually a very calculated move and something that he's doing because he knows there's someone out there. You know, my guess is you're in the same boat as me, like, you're going to wish Taylor Stubble failed. Well, I hope he ends up somewhere good. But like, you know, I fully expect whenever James Franklin names his wide receivers coach, we're all going to go, oh, that was a really good hire. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I, I, I think Stubblefield is <clears throat> not a bad coach by any means. Uh, it'd be cool to see him maybe land at Purdue, back at Purdue. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, I, it, like I said, I, I trust Franklin here, and that's I think that's the only thing you can do here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. And uh, there's one last thing to mention in the world of wide receivers. Uh, this nothing is official yet. Uh, Penn State hasn't, uh, you know, announced that this is happening. But uh, there's a lot of smoke connecting Penn State to Malik McLean, a former four-star recruit from Florida State. Uh, earlier in the day on Tuesday, uh, Nittany Sports now reported that McLean, former again former four-star recruit, spent the last two years at Florida State, is going to transfer to Happy Valley. Uh, McLean put out a statement on his Twitter account announcing that he is going to be leaving uh, the Seminoles a little bit earlier this afternoon. Uh, but as of right now, uh, no indication that Penn State's going to get him. Nick, 30 seconds on this. I mean, he he's the the last kind of archetype that Penn State doesn't have. Yeah, he's big. He's 6'4". He's got like 4'5 speed, according to 247 Sports. He's, you know, he's... Yeah, he just fills a, a role in that room that they don't currently have, that big body with big speed. And it's essentially what they were trying to do with, you know, getting Dante Thornton to come back around. Just, you know, he just wasn't highly as touted, highly as touted of a recruit as Thornton was. So 
Um, if he was on Penn State's roster these last two years, he'd be somebody that we'd probably be saying, hey, like, why hasn't he developed more yet? Um, so it's it's a change of scenery, you know, option for them to try to get the most out of a, a big body. Yeah, I, I I certainly don't think I'd hate if Penn State was able to uh, get him pulling up his stats this year. 17 receptions, 206 yards, three touchdowns. Year before, 1,690 and two touchdowns. Uh yeah, just seems like the at 6'4", 201 pounds, like if Penn State can get that kind of dude in, even if, you know, he doesn't immediately turn into uh, you know, Jawan Johnson or anything, I'll yeah. be I'll be I'll be pretty happy with it. Uh let's uh let's get some money, Nick. Let's talk about sure. Homefield Apparel, sponsor of this podcast. Uh Homefield as uh, all of you know they uh are a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. Indiana. Uh, if you are active on the internet, you've surely seen uh, people goofing around with them, particularly Penn State people. They really like us for reasons that uh, defy understanding because they're Indiana fans. And Penn State beat Indiana in basketball recently, proving once and for all that Penn State is a more historic and tradition-rich history pro- basketball program than the University of Indiana. Their shirts are comfortable. They're unique. The designs are really cool. Uh, Nick, I currently don't have any home field on we actually have our cameras off for this do you have any home field apparel on right now not today i was wearing one yesterday though yeah i was i was going to uh i went to the Cavs game yesterday and i was gonna wear a penn state sweater but uh you know i let i let lamar stevens play uh do the talking for our university and he had a very well very uh um workmanlike two points and four rebounds in a cavaliers win uh they have e- economical economical that's right uh Penn State's line with Homefield Apparel, 15 pieces of apparel in all. If you are a new customer, if you've never purchased from Homefield Apparel before, you can use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Again, new customers use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you again to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Nick, let's get back to talking about kind of the goings-on of the world of Penn State football. Go into the portal, but we're going to the... uh, Slightly less fun version of the portal, which is guys leaving Penn State, Kayvon Lee and Marquise Wilson. Uh, this is the last time we have podcasts that have announced that they are going to be uh, seeking greener pastures. A uh, pair of guys who have played a decent amount of football for Penn State just seems like they have been passed on the depth chart and they basically decided we want to go compete for starting, or this is my assumption. Uh, we want to go compete for starting jobs somewhere. We don't want to be backing up dudes A, B, and C, or whatever. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on Lee and Wilson, the two of them entering the portal? Do you think Penn State's going to particularly miss one of those dudes more than the other? Yeah, I mean, the one that hurts more is obviously Kayvon Lee, just because the room is not as deep, um, <clears throat> and you know, not as deep. But also, and also, he's the most experienced one in the room. He was Penn State's leading rusher in both 2020 and 2021. Um, but you know, he was passed by both Singleton and Allen on the depth chart by week two, essentially. Yeah. So it wasn't hard to see this one coming. Um, and it's worth, it's also worth mentioning, uh, suffered an injury that, uh, yeah. basically wiped out the back half of the season. Yeah. And I, I have not been, um, shy to voice my own criticisms of Kevon Lee in the past on this podcast, but from what we did see from him this year, I thought he really did take some strides into being a more complete running back and a more confident running back at that. So I don't at all blame him for, <clears throat> you know, looking for 
somewhere else to have more of the more of a starters role because it just wasn't going to happen at Penn State. Uh, Singleton and Allen are just too talented and too good. Um, I don't know why I said too talented and too good. I feel like that you know talented implies that, but it's uh, it's it's a bummer to lose him from the experience aspect. But you know, Penn State is also bringing in two more highly touted uh, running backs with this most recent recruiting class. You have London Montgomery who is uh, I don't know what is exactly his injury recovery timeline is at this point he missed almost his entire senior season I believe due to an ACL but he is an unbelievably talented running back I believe he went for over 2,000 yards as a junior so he is a he is a a special talent and somebody that could definitely factor into the room once he's healthy and then they also brought in um Cam Wallace from Georgia Georgia Georgia. yeah uh, who's not as highly touted as Montgomery, but is just an absolute burner, which I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him get time next year. So it's it's a bummer to lose him. He seemed like a good guy. He, like I said, lots of experience. He was a good pass catcher, but um, overall, it's 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 not the it's not the worst thing for Penn State. They have they have some coverage there. Marquise Wilson, I it's uh, he I don't think he got passed last year. I think he was pretty comfortably like the fourth or fifth corner um, when Joey Porter Jr. was healthy, but it's not hard to see how he will get passed going forward. You have guys like Cam Miller in the wings. They're bringing in more talented cornerbacks in this most recent recruiting class with uh, Elliot Washington. They just brought in storm duck as a transfer. So uh, this one, this one makes a lot of sense too. Wilson is uh, he's a really fun athlete. He's somebody, I think if he goes to a smaller school, he could really thrive in, just kind of a do it all role, whether that's a receiver or cornerback, but uh, it's, it's a bummer to lose him. He's a fun guy, but um, ultimately I don't think that one impacts the room all that much. Yeah. I, I, I would be uh, remiss if I did not mention that after he announced he was entering the transfer portal, uh, Kayvon Lee, you know, got some love from Penn state fans reciprocated it, said Nittany nation is the best, like that sort of thing. You always love to see uh, that sort of stuff. I didn't, yeah, I didn't go looking for anything Marquise Wilson said. He might have done the exact same thing if he did. I apologize. I think, think that's more... a common thread for Penn State, yeah. too. Like, the guys that have entered the portal, like, it's never been with, you know, negative feelings. Whereas, you know, we saw a couple of guys from Michigan this year both enter the portal before, you know, on the right ahead of the Big Ten championship games. Like, that's, yeah. it, it's, it's a testament to James Franklin and the culture that he's built. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, in, you look at the two of them, we'll, you know, I'll spend a little bit more time on Wilson because I think you hit every, I think you hit every note that needs to be hit with Lee. I mean, I think he, I think Kayvon Lee would have been a really valuable member to this Penn State running back. If he's yeah, there. he would have done really good things this year. I'm pretty confident that even with how good, uh, how good Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are, they would have found a way to get him involved, and he would have totally. like reciprocate. You know, he would have made their faith in him look good. You look at the cornerback room: Johnny Dixon, Kalen King. Daquan Hardy, Storm Duck. Right there are three dudes who have played a ton of football, a guy in King who has played at an all-Big Ten level, a guy in Dixon who has played at a very high, who's just been a really solid player for Penn State. Hardy, who has been around forever, is a really reliable slot corner, and now you bring Duck in, second-team All-ACC, foot two twenty, just fits the bill for Penn State. The best that could what things could have gone for Wilson was he was going to be backing up someone in that group. And then, like you mentioned, Nick, a guy like Elliot Washington coming in, a really talented freshman. We did the pod, uh, Nick, uh, not Nick, Matt and I, uh, at the start of the early signing period, I really like Lamont, uh, Lamont Payne. 
Zion Tracy seems like he has the potential to be a talented player. You keep going through. They have a bunch of other guys in the defensive backfield. Maybe one or two of them moves to a corner. We don't know. And all of a sudden, it just seems really hard to see where a guy like Wilson will be able to make a big impact unless there is an injury, unless it's on special teams, whatever. And I just can't blame that kind of dude. A guy who... uh, he struggled a little bit in the bowl game uh, when he was kind of thrown out there in a, in a tough situation, but has just kind of been a really solid, really nice, really reliable option for uh, for Penn State over the years. He's moving on. He's going to do something new. I think he's going to, I, I think someone's going to really enjoy getting him. Uh, he tweeted out today that I uh, got an offer from WVU, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Boy, oh, every, that's too good. I, WVU, they love themselves someone who went to Penn State, don't they? <laughs> or had any interest in Penn State whatsoever. Yes. Uh, but he's going to be moving on. I think he's going to be a really nice cornerback. Maybe maybe he's not able to be an all-Big Ten caliber player. Maybe he uh, is a really nice player in another conference. Or maybe he is an all-Big Ten player, but they just don't think he has the ceiling of these other guys. It happens. I think, again, I think he's going to go on to do some pretty good things. Uh, any final things on either of them before we get into the recruiting? If I remember correctly, Marquise Wilson is from Connecticut. Go to UConn. Go star at UConn. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. You could be, you could be one of the best players UConn football's had in recent memory. Yeah. Let's move on to our final thing, which, we're, again, we're doing this on Tuesday, and that means it's on the same day that Penn State went out and uh, got themselves a uh, a, a very nice addition to its 2024 recruiting class, which now have the two people. Uh, both of them uh, are young men from Western Pennsylvania. This one, Anthony Specka, a uh, four-star on the 24-7 sports composite uh, linebacker from Central Catholic High School in Pittsburgh. Uh, twenty Number 328 player nationally, number nine in Pennsylvania, the number 26 linebacker uh, in uh, the country joins Cooper Cousins in Penn State's class. Penn State is the number 21 class in the class of 2020. Again, Nick, you and I, uh, this news came in. We, <laughs> What wonderful timing. As we are talking uh, about this, uh, Specka just tweeted out uh, that Penn State fans need to start tweeting at Quentin Martin uh, from Bell Vernon. <laughs> Bell Vernon, uh, the number one player, uh, five-star athlete in the state of Pennsylvania uh, in this recruiting class. I, I believe the two of them are uh, pretty close. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Specca a little bit. Good Italian boy joining the linebacker court. What stuck out when you watched him for the first time? He is as... If you could, you know, build the ideal, like, Penn State kid, it's Specca. He is just a a bruiser of a he's a true middle linebacker like a bruiser of middle linebacker um he from what i've watched he does a really good job of diagnosing plays and understanding Mm -hmm. how to flow through traffic and get to the ball he hits hard he really he runs through guys he he doesn't he doesn't let plays off um and to cap it all off brian doan of 247 sports his compare his um his player yeah. comp for him is Tyler Elston. So, like, what what else could you possibly want if you're a Penn State? Like, it's I think it's a really good fit. Um, Penn State has um, I, I really like Kobe King, <clears throat> and I like his potential and Elston quite a bit. But they could definitely use a 
a true stud middle linebacker and Speck could very well be that guy in a few years. So I think it's a great fit. Um, and I think it's, it's good timing for Penn state too, because this is a bit of an anomaly for them in terms of how they build their classes. They typically are, you know, one of the schools to start filling up their commit list sooner than most. So it's a bit odd to actually only see them with two commits to this point. So this could be, you know, the first, the first thing that really gets the ball rolling for the rest of the class. And uh, it's, I, it's a great, great fit, great prospect. I think it's a, you know, it's a A plus fit for Penn State here. Yeah, already, already seems like he's uh trying to go out there and be a recruiter, which you uh certainly, certainly love seeing that. Uh, did you see his stats from this past year? It was on the start of the uh, main video on his huddle account. Uh, I, I kind of brushed past it. He had like eighteen sacks or something like that. Uh, ten games played, one hundred and twenty-two tackles, nineteen tackles for loss, six sacks, three forced fumble, and an interception. Uh, okay, so the tackles for loss is what I saw. Yeah. I, I don't know. You can't really tell how inc- he doesn't seem like an incredible athlete. He is no. Mike linebacker through and through. Um, he looks Mike Hullish. Yeah. Uh, he's bigger than Michael. Mike Holt. Michael yeah. is five foot and he, nine. And he doesn't have whole speed, but. Ish. Yeah. But the thing that he has that I really like is he's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid of being physical and engaging with offensive linemen, engaging with fullbacks, anyone who's trying to get in his way and his ability to see things and read it and react to it. It's really impressive. Now doing that against high school students and doing that against, you know, Travion Henderson will be gone by them, but against Travion Henderson are two very, very different things. But you you cannot teach instincts. You cannot teach the ability to diagnose a play at the really highest levels. And I think he has a bit of that. And I think he is in a really advantageous position as someone who's going to come in and play Mike Linebacker. Because I'm assuming he's going to come in as a Mike Linebacker. The 2024 Penn State Linebacker room should, because I don't think either of these guys are going to go to the NFL, have Tyler Elston and Kobe King. Elston is a senior. Kobe King is a redshirt junior. Assuming they both stick around, which, you know, Elston is like in the dictionary as a Pennsylvania boy. I can't fathom that he would he would leave. <laughs> King, who knows? Maybe he decides to go back to Michigan after his brother, I assume, goes to the NFL after that season. Who knows? But there's a chance that Penn State is going to have two guys who are going to get 95% of the Mike linebacker snaps. He doesn't have to be relied on to do anything. He can just come in, learn what he has to learn about playing linebacker in maybe Manny Diaz's defense. We don't know if he's uh, going to be a hot commodity for a head coaching job and get the itch to leave after next season. And he could just work on his body. He can work on filling out his 6'2 frame that is currently listed at 220 pounds. He can work on becoming a little bit more agile, a little bit more flexible, all these sorts of things. And I think if he does that, he has the stuff you want between the ears. We'll see how the rest of this class pans out. I don't think by any stretch he is going to be their highest rated recruit, Nick. But he's a guy who, in the little bits that we've started to see about him, he screams guy who is going to do something in college. I don't know what that something is, whether he's a rotational linebacker, whether he's a star linebacker, whether he's uh, a really nice special teams player. 
I don't know, but I would absolutely bet on this kid to do something. Yeah, he very much fits the mold of, you know, just a reliable Mike linebacker that starts for two or three years, then you you never really fully appreciate it while he's there, and then you miss him like crazy when he's gone. Like that that's that's the mold he seems to fit right into. So you're 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 calling him an Ellis Brooks type, basically. Exactly. And Ellis Brooks, uh, well, I get Cabinda was pretty beloved, so I guess he doesn't quite fall into that. Yeah, so Ellis Brooks is fair. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I, if he's if this kid could be Jason Cabinda, like rename the stadium after him. Like he's going to be real, <laughs> real good. Uh yeah, and then uh and last couple of recruiting notes, uh the fine folks over at on three uh released their what I believe are going to be their final uh, rankings for the 2023 class. Penn State has a couple guys in the top 50. Javen Williams uh, came in at number nine. He is the number one interior offensive lineman in the class. Alex Birchmeyer is down at number 74 for them, the number four interior offensive lineman. Uh, And then flying up the charts for them at number, I should have jotted this down, I forgot to, 49. 49, uh, Andrew Rappelier. Uh, I'm going to need to figure out how to produce, pronounce that one up to number sure 40, that was right. nice up to number 49 nationally, the number two, uh, tight end prospect in America. Um, Nick, you know, this is all one big crapshoot, but boy, like, I think they're going to be good players. Like I'm, 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 I'm happy to see Penn State was able to bring in. Yeah. Rapley is as good a bet <clears throat> that you can make for, um, a, true freshman contributor to come out of this class. Uh, he just looks like somebody who is just ready to go right from the start. And considering the Penn state, the depth that Penn state's tight end room has, that'll be really impressive if he can pull that off. But it, it really looks like he's, he's absolutely going to play as a freshman. Wouldn't be surprised. He is playing time increases. The season goes on to Jane Williams. I don't think we'll see play as a freshman or maybe only sparingly keep the red shirt, but you know, it's the hype train is, you know, rolling at full speed for Javen Williams. He's a huge dude who can move as well as, as well as Andrew Rappelet can. Like he, he moves unbelievably well for an offensive lineman, especially at his size. Uh, we've heard that he, both he and Birchmeyer are going to start out at tackle. I don't know that they'll stay there. I think Williams probably has a better chance to stay there than Birchmeyer, but he, he's going to be a fun one. I, I don't know exactly when he will start contributing to this team, but I would not at all bet against Jane Williams becoming a, you know, an all big 10, maybe even an all American type performer. He just has all the talent in the world. Yep. I would not hate that. Uh, Rob Pouillet's, uh, comp on, on three is, uh, Mark Andrews of the, uh, Ooh. Baltimore Ravens. I'd really like that because That's he's, one. he, he, I don't know if you saw, uh, when he nearly chased down, uh, Sam Hubbard the mm-hmm. other day, he apparently got to like 20.5 miles an hour. And if, uh, when every defender yeah. on Cincinnati immediately had crises in their head, trying to figure out how to block him without blocking him in the back and then did it anyway, just didn't get called. Yeah. yeah didn't get called. Uh, yeah. A lot going on in the world of Penn state. We'll have some more stuff coming for you soon. Basketball is currently down by one. So I'm going to go have a little panic attack over that. Nick, any final things you want to say before I wrap this one up? now this is fun let's do it again soon yeah we will do this again soon thank you everyone for listening as always make sure you subscribe wherever you go and get your podcast and use apple podcast please go leave us a five-star review uh link tree link over in our twitter bio will tell you all the places where you can uh find the pod if you're on youtube hop into the comment section be nice to one another uh if you 
follow us over on our Twitter. If you want to follow us over on our Twitter account at RLR blog, uh, we made fun of Pitt today. Uh, <laughs> you should always do that because that's fun. Uh, last thing before we go, as always, thank you to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring the pod. Uh, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar from my co-host Nick Pollock. I'm Bill DeFillibo. Take care, everyone. Go State.